Let's pray. You are a gracious God, and we are thankful for that. I pray, our Father, as we open the scriptures today, that you would touch our hearts, that we would be the people that you want us to be. Might your name be lifted up and glorified in all that we say. For it's in the name of Jesus I ask these things. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I'll do my best to make sure that you get out of here on time so you can make your lunch um, reservations for Mom's Day. So, happy Mother's Day to you, uh, moms, and uh, we thank God for you. Well, it's, uh, I, I often try to choose another passage other than the gospel because we get so much of the gospel, but you know what, I couldn't pass up on this one. I just kept coming back. I wanted to do something else, and God just kept bringing me back to this. And uh, what we basically find in John 15 is a follow-up in one of the most popular parables in the New Testament, the um, parable of the of vine and the branches, where Jesus says that I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you are going to bear fruit, you're going to bear fruit because you are with me, you abide in me, you remain in me. And just as he does in many of the other parables that he gives, he follows up with those things and gives us uh, rather a, uh, a view of what that means in, my, in our lives, uh, in the, the lives of the disciples. And as I began to look at this and start to work on uh, the homily, which I uh, did right after I found out that instead of preaching next week, I was preaching this week, um, I saw last week in the writing in 1 John, uh, these words, we know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. He who does not love abides in death, and anyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Well, the word that I want to really look at this morning with you is the word abide. You know, you and I each have a place where we live here on earth. Uh, the address of uh, where Pam and I live is 46 Bahia Trace. But the truth is that each and every one of us also have a spiritual address. Last week it talked about one of the spiritual addresses that you can have. That address is death. If you hate your brother, it says, you live in death and you are a murderer. No one who uh, hates his brother can be part of the kingdom of God. In the passage that we have for us today, the word abide is here. The definition is exactly the same, but it's with a different address. The address that we have today is the address of those who abide or live in the love of Christ. So you and I have physical addresses. You and I have spiritual addresses where we live, where we abide, where we spend our time, where we can find those things that bring comfort and those things that we need. So as I looked at this passage, I think that today's gospel gives us a description of what it means to abide in the love of Christ. So the big idea for today is Jesus calls his disciples to live in the love of Christ. The first thing that I'd like to look uh, with you uh, at is the description of 
living in Christ's love. The first thing that I would say to you is that living in Christ's love is a result of a commandment that God has given us through Jesus Christ our Savior. If we were to go over to John chapter 13, verse 34, he says, A new commandment I give you, a commandment to love one another. I want you to love one another. During our Lenten season or during our Passion Week, we have the Monday Thursday service. And Monday probably refers to the commandment, and this is the commandment to which it refers. It refers to the commandment that says, I want you to love one another. By this, men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Well, when we take a look at it, it's not exactly a new commandment. After all, we found the commandment very similar to it back in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, where it says, love your neighbor as yourself. But the interesting thing that we have as we look at that and we change it, neighbor has been changed to brother, to disciple. Men will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. Then when we look at it, he says there, I want you to love as you would love yourself. But the new commandment gives us a different level of loving. The different level of loving in chapter 13, verse 14, and in John 15, verse 12, and in John chapter 15, verse 17, is not that you love your brother as you love yourself. You are to love your brother as Christ loved you. Uh, that ratchets things up a little bit. And we'll talk a little bit about that a li uh, in, in a few minutes. Because right now what we find is that this love is demonstrated. In verse 13 of chapter 15, it says, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. So that love of Jesus Christ is now demonstrated in this passage when he says no greater love has a man for his friends than he's willing to lay down his life for his friends. It's interesting as we look at that, we see greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friend. I was reading or I was actually listening to John Piper and John Piper said, we naturally, those of us who know Jesus Christ as our Savior, naturally change that and say, Jesus, I think you got that wrong. No greater love has a man for a, for, uh, than he lay down his life for his enemy. That's what we'd like to put in there. But when we look at the concept, the aspect is not the greater from a, 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 an enemy or a friend to an enemy, the point here is, what is the greatest of the love? Well, the greatest of the love is this. It's not just giving a cup of water to your friend. It's not just saying, I'm going to stand alongside of you as a friend. It's no greater love is this than a man will lay down his life. In other words, the greatest thing that we see is if I want to prove my friendship or if I want to show my friendship, 
the greatest thing that I could do is to die for you. And that's what we read in this passage. The point that Jesus is that it's not just a cup of water that we give, it's the willingness on his part to die. In John, 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, it says, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brothers in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. So what we have happening here is we, we ought to be willing to lay down our lives for our brother, give our lives for our brother. How much more simple it is when we see a brother who has a need to try to meet that need because we love him. That's the concept that he's giving to us. Very rarely are you and I asked to give our lives for our brothers in Christ. Now, if we go across the oceans, that may very well happen. That may happen there. There may be somebody who is willing to give his life for a brother because of persecution that takes place. But most of the time here in the United States, that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is that love, the love that should be so deep. You know, when we go back to the John 13 passage, men will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. If I just say, gee, you're a nice person, what does that show? What does that show? But if I am willing to do everything that I possibly can to help you in any way that I possibly can, even up to death, that shows that I'm one of Christ's followers. Okay? So, what we have happening then, the next thing that we see is that love produces fruit. In John 15, uh, verse 16, he says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. So this love that's abiding in us bears fruit. If we would go back to the vine, he would say to us, if you are abiding in me, you are going to produce fruit. And so now here he is, he's following up on that and saying, if you love me and love the brothers, if you abide in me, then you will love the brothers and you will bear fruit. And I'd suggest that there are two things here. First, he tells us that we need to go out and tell people about the love of Christ. I love the passage in Matthew chapter 28 where he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Isn't it interesting here? He says that if you abide in me, you're going to go out. The command there is not to go. The command is to make disciples as you go. In your everyday life, make disciples. Let men know that you're my disciple if you have love for one another. And then the interesting thing he says is when you make these disciples, what will happen is you will teach them what I've commanded you. And what has he commanded us? 
that we love one another. Love him, love one another, abide in him, and love one another. So that's one of the fruits that we see. But we also see that if we are abiding in Christ, if we are, if we are living in that, at that address called the love of Christ, one of the things that's going to happen is that there's going to be fruit that comes from the Spirit of God, which is there as well. And in Galatians, it tells us that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Oh, God, help me with that last one. But the first one is love, isn't it? The first one is love. Do I show lo the love of God to the people with whom I come in contact? Do I show the love of God to my brothers and sisters in Christ? That's the real question. And can I bear fruit? I can only bear the fruit that he wants me to bear if I'm living in him. Well then, what do we have? The benefits of living in Christ's love. The first benefit that we have is that there is joy. In John 15, 11, it says, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Jesus Christ abode in the love of the Father, and therefore there was joy, the expectation that God was going to be glorified. Here we go. Very first question of the Westminster Shorter Catechism. What is the chief end of man? The chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. When I love God, when Jesus loved the Father, there was no doubt that there was joy on his part with the expectation that good things were going to happen and that God would be glorified. Piper says that God is most glorified when I most enjoy him. So what we have happening here is he says, I want you to love like I have loved. And when you do that, there will be joy. Does that mean that everything is going to be just fine, peachy keen, and nothing's going to happen? No. Jesus, we know, had to go to the cross. Even on the night that he was betrayed, do you remember what happened? He goes to the garden and said, if we can do this another way, let's do it. Let's do it. But not my will, but yours, Father, in order that you be glorified and that I can enjoy. And what happens? We find out that Jesus is raised from the dead. And where is he now? Sitting at the right hand of the Father for all eternity. Because there is obedience, because he abides in the Father. And that's what he asks us to do, to abide in him. You know, we look and we see in this whole thing, he says, I want you to love. I want you to live in my love. I want you to abide with me. But the interesting thing is that when we do that, we need to understand that the house has rules. 
The house has rules. I don't know about you, but when we were raising our children, there were house rules. And sometimes they would say to you, why do I have to keep your rule? And the most intelligent answer that I could often think of was, because I told you. <laughs> because I told you. But why did I do it? Because I was being capricious? No, but because I loved them and I thought that I knew what was best for them and if they would follow my rules, they would live in happiness and joy and so would I. You see? God has that command too, doesn't he? If you want to be in his house. The next thing that we look at is the benefit of friendship. Notice what it says here in verse 13. Greater, has, uh, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. One of the things that we sometimes get wrong about this passage is we think that God loves us and makes us our friend because we do his commandments. The emphasis here is not I do his commandments in order to get him to be my friend. I do the, his commandments because he is my friend. That's the idea of this word. So that the father says, you live in my house. This is my commandment. You will love one another as I have loved you. Wow. Wow. You know, we've already talked about the greatness of that aspect, haven't we? But that's what we have. Our friendship with him is built on our relationship with him and abiding in him. And when we abide in him, we do those things that are part of the house rules. And if we don't, we need to ask ourselves the question, do we live in the house or are we just hanging out for a little while. There's a great intimacy that's, that's, that's seen here. The, the Romans had the idea that a friend was one that could do something for you, often used politically in the Roman scheme. But here we have basically the Greek scheme, where there's a, a relationship, there's a care, Paul uses the word over in, over in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. He says, our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but there might be equality. Your abundance at the present time should supply their needs so that their abundance may supply your needs, that there may be fairness. Isn't it interesting, the Acts passage today? What did they do? They took care of the needs, didn't they? Took care of the needs because they were abiding in the house that God had made for them, a house whose address is love of Christ. So this beautiful intimacy is there. And in it we see that he was willing to lay down his life, and then he was willing to give to his disciples those things that they needed to know to live a life that was appropriate. And that's what his disciples have done with us. They have loved us. They have gone into the world. 
they have given the gospel. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, you're going to go and be my disciples, be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and even to the uttermost parts of the world. So that you and I, in the United States, because of God in his grace, allowed us to hear the message of Jesus Christ and then be taught. What we love is we love to hear the love of Christ, but we don't necessarily want to hear the command of Christ. And he says, if you're abiding with me, you will keep my commandment. That you will love your brothers as I have loved you, even if it means all the way to death. Wow. Wow. The third thing that I'd like to see, say to you is a benefit of living in Christ's love is answered prayer. In chapter 15, verse 16, he says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. My friends, this is not the name it and claim it gospel. This is based on the fact that I am abiding in Jesus Christ. I am in relationship with Jesus Christ. He is the vine. I am the branches. The things that happen with me flow from what happens to him. And my prayer needs to be based on his love for the people, not necessarily on what I think people need. And that's why he says, we ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Is that some secret formula that we have? It's not a secret formula. What it is, is it's saying, I want to pray what Jesus would pray if he were standing here right now. You know, oftentimes we pray for things for people, and maybe those things, we want them because we want them for us. And what we need to understand is that we pray for those things for people so that God would be glorified in working through them and the, uh, and the things that are taking place. And sometimes they're not the way we would like things to go. And yet when we ask in his name, God is glorified through the things that we have happening. In conclusion, I'd just like to say this. Uh, J.C. Rowell says, to abide in Christ means to keep up a habit of constant close communion with him, to be always leaning on him, resting on him, pouring out our hearts to him, and using him as our fountain of life and strength, as our chief companion and best friend. To have his words abiding in us is to keep his sayings and precepts continually before our memories and minds, and to make them the guide of our actions and the rule of our daily conduct and behavior. I mentioned to you that what happened on the night that Jesus Christ was betrayed, he said to his disciples, I'm giving you a new commandment, Monday, Thursday. And in that same hour, he instituted what we will take place, what will take place in just a few minutes. We will be reminded that Jesus Christ was willing to give his life and die for us. We will, get, we will, we will be reminded of God's great love for us and great power in his resurrection. You know, the interesting thing is that if we go over to the passage where Paul says to us, 
I want you to do these things as Christ has taught us in remembrance of him. The thing that it follows up on is, I want you to be prepared to do the things that show my love. That's the context there. The context was that the people were coming and they were eating and the rich people had more than they knew what to do. They were becoming drunk and there were people there that didn't have anything to eat and the rich people didn't care about them. And, and, and they were going to participate in the Eucharist, the thanksgiving for God uh, that Jesus Christ was willing to die for us. And he says, don't, don't, don't do that. Show love. Show current concern for people that are around you. So that when we pass the peace, can we say to each other, the peace of God be with you and also with you. Are we really then saying, my brother or my sister, I'm willing to die for you if that's what's necessary. Because I abide in Jesus. He died for me. I'm willing to go to the end and love you as much as he has loved me. Wow. Wow. You know, coming to know Jesus Christ as our personal Savior is through faith. It's not works. But what happens is that when we become part of his people and we abide in his love, things change. How we live changes. We live in love. We live in love. I read a book by a man by the name of uh, John Eldridge. In that book, he talked about our relationship with God. And out of that book came an application that I have on my phone and on my iPad. And once a day, it reminds me just to pause, step back. And the first thing that it says to me, give everything that's on your mind to him. The person, the event, the thing. Turn it over to him, i.e. abide in him, become real in him. But I love the way that it closes. Toward the end of this application and toward the end of this guided pause, it says, and it asks me to say to God these things, restore our union, Lord, that is our union. If we've been broken, restore our union. Let me be part, let me, let, let, let me be that uh, branch that's on the vine. Heal and restore our union. I pray for more of you, God. Fill me with more of you. I pray the river of life would fill me, restore me, renew me, surround me. I need more of you, God. Saturate me with your love. Saturate me with your life. Isn't that a great prayer? Saturate me with a love, with a love that you had for me that was willing, so that you were willing to die. Make that part of my life so that I'm willing to die for the brethren. Saturate me with your life. Amen. Amen.